me in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognize this evening the task that you have called us to. Even as we looked this morning at Acts and the call to go to the ends of the earth, And yet we're encouraged, even by the words we've just sung, that this task will be completed. Not for our glory and not in our strength. But you will complete this task. We will prevail, not because of who we are, but because we are yours. We are your church. Therefore, the gospel will go forth in power and the world will be reached with the gospel. And one day, every tongue and tribe and nation will be represented before the throne of God. And what a glorious day that will be. But until then, we pray that you would give us grace, give us strength, give us wisdom for each and every day to be faithful to the task that you have called us to here and now. Not to lose focus, but to stay focused. To reach the world, to reach our community, our neighbors, our friends our family with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even this evening, as we turn our attention to your word, may your spirit work through your word for, for, in, in power for your glory and for our good. May you challenge us in this this evening. May you be honored in all that we say and do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At our men's prayer breakfast yesterday, Pastor Ho gave a little devotional, and he mentioned uh, that the theme was your favorite verses. And he mentioned as he started how when he was pastoring, it was always a, a joke. He seemed to have a new favorite passage each week. Every time someone talked, this is my favorite passage, this is my favorite song. Sometimes I feel like that as well, especially as we work our way through the Psalms. I feel like I have a new favorite psalm every single week. And I say that because as we come to 2 Corinthians 5, I can't help but tell you that this is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I remember as a young college student, I'm still young, but as an even younger, as a college student, reading through my Bible and coming to this passage and the idea of being an ambassador for Christ and how that hit me how that impacted me, and how it has stayed with me since. As you come to 2 Corinthians 5, this evening we're going to be looking at the message of missions. This morning in Acts 1.8, we looked at the, the invention of missions, if you will, or the beginning of missions. How missions began as the church began. How missions goes forth in the power of the spirits. The message of the message to point to Jesus Christ. And it's that message that we're going to focus on this evening. This evening we, or this morning, we gave a definition of missions. What is missions? It is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the spirit. 
to the ends of the earth for the glory of God. It's the proclamation of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the good news? That's what we're going to see this evening in this passage. As Paul comes to 2 Corinthians 5, in the first 12 verses, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 to 12, he's talking, he's reminding the Corinthians and, and, and us now all these years later, centuries later, of our home that is in heaven, our assurance of resurrection. We are citizens of heaven. As he comes to then verse 13 to 15, he defends his apostleship. His apostleship, which has been attacked and, and, and ridiculed in this Corinthian church, and he's defending it. Then we come to our passage this evening. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. As we look at this passage, we'll see the messengers of the gospel and the message of the gospel. The messengers and the message. And the first thing we see is the messengers of the gospel, verses 16 to 18. Paul starts in verse 16, therefore... So we know, we see therefore, we have to look back to see what the therefore is there for. Paul is looking back to verse 15. Really, back, you can start in verse 14 where he says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge us that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. They should live for him who died for him and rose again. Paul's identifying himself with those who, who are in that group. Those who live no longer for themselves because they've placed their faith in Christ. They've been saved. And so as he goes forward into verse 16, he's talking from the point of salvation. Therefore, from the point of my salvation, from now on, from that point of salvation, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. See, before Paul, before salvation, Paul had a view of people based on worldly standards. We saw a great example of that this morning in Sunday school. As Jim walked us through in Mark 2, verse 16, we have the, the Pharisees of whom Paul was a, a, one at one time. They're thinking their, their, their accusation against Christ, if you remember, they say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They regard these men based on worldly standards. They are tax collectors. They are sinners. They fail to realize that they themselves are sinners as well. They regard them based on standards that they have set up. They don't meet, meet my standard. But Paul's point here is, now that my eyes have been opened to the gospel, I've seen my standard doesn't matter. It's God's standard that matters. And none of us meet God's standards. So then I regard no one according to the flesh. The reality is, it doesn't matter who you are in the flesh. What matters is that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. He goes on, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, at one time we saw Christ through our fleshly eyes. 
At one time, Paul was against him. He persecuted those who followed him. Yet now we see him thus no longer. Now my eyes have been opened to the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is. After salvation, all this has changed for Paul. Paul no longer sees rich and poor, Jew and Greek, man and woman. Now he sees sinners who need Christ. Now he sees Christ as the Savior. Paul actually uses this, this illustration in Galatians 3.26, a very, 26-29, a very familiar passage where he says, In Christ... There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. It's the, same, it's the same idea. Don't regard each other by that. See who you are in Christ. You are either in Christ or you are apart from Christ. That's what matters. What Paul is saying is, I am in Christ. Therefore, my whole view has changed in fact, that's what he gets to as he gets to, seven, to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone like me is in Christ, those whose faith is in Christ, like Paul, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Christ, we have a new relationship with God and a new relationship with others. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I am new in Christ. My relationship to others is new in Christ. My view of others should be new in Christ. My relationship to God is new in Christ. In Christ, everything has changed. I have a new identity. I have a new purpose. That's the first thing that we see. The messengers of the gospel are new. They have been made new. And it is that fact that they've been made new that equips them to go. We saw this morning, what is the power of missions? It's the spirit. You see, when I see people based on According to the flesh, as Paul talks here, I am limited in my gospel witness. If I allow ethnicity, if I allow social status, if I allow any of those things to impact how I see people, then I will fail to share the gospel with them. I must not see white or black. I must not see rich or poor. I must see a sinner in need of a savior. Verse 18 goes on. Now, all, the, all, all things are of God. It is God who's done this. It is God who's done this. All things are of God. Who ha what has God done? He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. The word reconcile is to restore, to fix what has been broken by sin. As Romans 5.10 talks about, we, are, we were enemies of God, and yet in Christ we are now friends of God. Or as Romans 8 talks about, we are sons of God. 
We are reconciled. The sin that separated us from God has been taken care of. How? Through Jesus Christ. He's going to get into this a little bit more in the next verse, but for now all he says is you've been reconciled. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. We've been restored. What was broken by our sin has been fixed. And note that it is God who reconciled us to himself. It is God who reached out. Man has never been the one to reach out to God. Even as far back as the garden. When Adam and Eve first sinned, they didn't cry out to God. We have sinned. They tried to hide. It is God who came to them. Where are you? It is God who sought them out. It is God who reached out. So it is in the incarnation and in the cross. It is God who reached out. We did not reach out to God. He reached out to us. To reconcile us. To reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. So these messengers are new in Christ. The messengers of the gospel, they're new in Christ. They've been reconciled to God in Christ, and they've been given a new ministry in Christ. He's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Those who have been reconciled are to go forth with the ministry of reconciliation. They're called to share the message of reconciliation. I have been reconciled. You have been reconciled. You can be reconciled by faith in Christ. Look what God has done. It is those who have been reconciled who are sent with the message of reconciliation. In fact, if you jump down to verse 20, he uses another phrase for this responsibility. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him to the world. We speak for him to the world through the word and the power of the spirit. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors who preach reconciliation. Now notice who has this responsibility. Who is responsible for the ministry of reconciliation, to take it to the world. Who is responsible to go as an ambassador to Christ, for Christ, to the world? Who's responsible? Is it those who are the professionals? Is it missionaries who go overseas, pastors and teachers? Who is responsible? Anybody who is in Christ. If you have been reconciled to God by faith, you are responsible to have the ministry of reconciliation to the world. It's everybody. The question is not, am I called to preach the gospel? The question this evening, and the question always is, where am I called to preach the gospel? Because if I've been reconciled, I am sent forth with a ministry of reconciliation. I am sent forth as an ambassador for Christ. And an ambassador is always an ambassador. It doesn't matter where you are. 
An ambassador is an ambassador at his desk or at the grocery store. It is not where you are that makes you an ambassador for Christ. It is who you are in Christ that makes you an ambassador for Christ. And I pray this evening that you will understand that. That the responsibility to preach the message of missions, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not just my responsibility. It's not just the teachers at faith. It's not just their responsibility. It's not just those in our church who are really outgoing and gifted. It's not just their responsibility. If you are in Christ, it is your responsibility. That's who the messengers are. But what is this message of reconciliation? What is this gospel message? Paul starts to unpack it in verse 19. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has reconciled us to himself. What does that mean? Well, that is that God, again, God has taken the initiative, God himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them, not counting their sins against them, and yet, as we will see, at the same time, not overlooking those sins. God remains just and the justifier. He does not impute their trespasses to them, yet he does not overlook them. And again, notice what is mentioned once again. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. In fact, that's three times mentioned in this passage. You've been reconciled. You must go reconciling. Three times. Those who've been saved have a responsibility to preach the gospel. This is the gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. A world that in rebellion turned from God, a world that was sinful against God, God in Christ reconciled that world to himself. Not counting their sins against them, and yet not overlooking their sins, as we will see. So now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you are confused, well, what is this message of reconciliation? What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Paul spells it out for you right here. This is what it is. Pleading to the world, we implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look what God has done. Open your eyes, turn from your sin, and turn to Christ. Find grace. Find mercy, find forgiveness, find acceptance. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21 is a beautiful verse where Paul really dives into the gospel. He's touched on it in verse 19, but in verse 21 he gets down to the details. For he, God, again, Every single instance in this passage, it is God who acts first. 
He, this is God's doing, made him who knew no sin. Who could that be? It's Jesus Christ. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. To what end? Notice, as he said earlier, not imputing their trespasses to them. That doesn't mean he just overlooks the sin. God is just and he remains just, but he's also just a fire. And that's why he does this. He doesn't overlook our sins. But instead of our imputing our sins against us, he imputes them to Christ. He puts them on his account. Him who knew no sin, he made him to be sin for us. To what end? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the great exchange. Christ takes our sin. The condemnation and the punishment that we deserve. And it gives us the righteousness that is his. We don't deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to deserve it. And yet God has reconciled us to himself in Christ. God is just. And he remains the justifier. He justly punishes our sin by placing it on Christ. And he justly forgives us by giving us Christ's righteousness. That is the message of missions. That is the message of the gospel. That Christ died for you. That he took your sin, your condemnation, your punishment, and he offers you his life. And the call of response is, won't you believe? Won't you believe? Notice that in my definition of missions, it doesn't include a desired response to missions. You can be a missionary and faithfully preach the gospel and never see a convert. That does not mean you're not a missionary. Missions is preaching the gospel. It is the Spirit and God who will work to bring people to repentance. It is us who should preach the gospel. It is we who must go and preach this message of reconciliation.